0: So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Azuz. And on this week's episode, I was joined by Hannah Ahmed. She started a business called The HG Group, where their bread and butter is recruiting nurses for the NHS. We had a very honest and frank conversation on this journey that Hannah's been on so far. After working for the NHS for five years, then working for a recruitment business for another five years, She took the leap to start her entrepreneurial journey, and it has not been easy to say the least. We discuss everything here on how Hannah got onto the framework so she could start working with the NHS. She ended up buying a business from someone based in India just to get into these frameworks. We spoke about how she found herself in a position where they were owed over a million pounds in invoices And Hannah's been on a real growth journey. She's consistently gone out of her comfort zone. She fell pregnant unexpectedly during this journey as well. We spoke about that. Just pure honesty, pure authenticity on this episode. I absolutely loved sitting down with Hannah, have the utmost respect for her and have no doubt she's going to continue to build a successful recruitment business. Enjoy. Hannah, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Looking forward to this. I've got to call it out here, but you definitely won the award for the latest guest.
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you know what? Anyone that knows me will tell you that my punctuality is probably the worst.
0: Why didn't you tell me that? I'm so I sorry. should have told you that I'm the podcast so is at half 10, yeah. one of them you, ones. And
1: you know what? I'll also blame the fact that my assistant's gone on annual leave and <laughs> I feel completely lost without her at the minute. So, yeah, no, I'm really sorry about that.
0: No, it's all good. Look, so really looking forward to unpacking this journey that you've been on. I think, as we were just saying, over the last sort of four and a half years, you've been on your own entrepreneurial journey, building yeah. HG Group. Yeah. So in today's sort of conversation, we're going to really focus on that. But before that, just to add some flavour and context for everyone, you worked for a other uh, another recruitment business for nearly five years.
1: Correct. Yeah. Before
0: that, you worked in the NHS for five years. Yeah, and then before that, there was a, I few was a debt collector at
1: one yeah, point. Was a as well, man. Wonga, yeah, a debt collector for one I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, yeah that was before they, uh, <laughs> before they uh, was on the news and did some real bad things.
0: <laughs> so five years NHS yeah. collections manager, debt collector, yeah. five years in recruitment, and then for the last nearly yeah four and a half years, you've been on your own um, yeah. entrepreneurial journey. So
1: God, is it four and a half years?
0: That's what it says on LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Um, wow, yeah. Okay, so mm. let me add some context here then just for everyone to understand. So I think maybe with what you just said, so I think you shared with me that it started in 2018 but had covenants, etc. So yeah. it wasn't things didn't really start kicking on until 2019.
1: I would say, yeah, in, from February, that's when all my sort of restrictions were sort of lifted. Yeah, so... And I just, I felt like that was the right time to kind of come back into healthcare and, and make my mark.
0: Cool. So from, yeah, from around Feb 2019, Mm. really kicked on in the healthcare space again, in the HE group. So just to add some context here. So basically, where you over the last couple of years, there's some crazy stories in here, which I'm I'm really looking forward to uncovering. But in terms of like, where you are today, I think you've got three different brands.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: In terms of 2022, the revenue was 5.5 million. Correct. Net profit last year was 400 grand. That's correct. And then I think, like, today you're at 18 people in total. You've yeah. got six people, around six people in finance, five people in compliance and seven people in sales.
1: Yeah, and that number's growing, actually. We've been hiring. So, yeah, that's accurate for now, but we have probably looking at trying to get to around 25 by the end of April.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I know the revenue goal this year is to get 10, 10 million and net profit one point five million profit is is the go, is the big twenty twenty three goal.
1: Yeah, that's where we'd like to be.
0: Yeah, I love that. So the brands as well, we've got nursing that's sort of been your bread and butter, as you said. That's the uh, baby. Being- branching into doctors and then also private I think you put I don't know if it's private healthcare private clients home care. yeah so like
1: we're looking at uh, setting up more home care a home Mm. care division and we've got the AHP division that we want to try and sort of drive as well this year so there's quite a lot of plans to try and get the other staff groups moving but for me it's more important to make sure we master the nursing side and do well in that before we try and sort of look at other avenues.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's just for everyone listening. That's some context to like, obviously we've brushed over a lot. A lot has happened to to get to to that point, right? Let's start with the million pound question. Something that I'm sure you've thought long and hard about since growing your own recruitment business. What is Hannah's take in terms of what characteristics and traits do you believe make up a highly successful recruitment consultant in today's market? Let's start there. Wow.
1: Wow. For me, it, Really consists of resilience. You've got to have a lot of resilience because you're going to be getting a lot of no's, especially in healthcare. Majority of healthcare recruitment agencies are fishing from the same pond. So the nurses are kind of speaking to everybody. So you've got to kind of differentiate yourself and make sure you've got a personality because there's not much in the pay rates that you're offering. So it's personality resilience you've got to have some real drive as well to ensure that you are able to get those nurses to buy into you which is really important the other characteristics is just being able to have empathy because most of the nurses that we deal with the healthcare professionals you are kind of an extension of their own family you're helping them make money you know they're reliant on your expertise to get them work for their own sort of livelihood. so you've got to have a lot of empathy because there's times that things might go wrong with Mm -hmm. um pay you know they might have sort of other sort of things that are going on in their personal lives that they want to speak to you about just being kind being kind to them I think being very driven Mm. is very important and just um, being relentless because it is a relentless job Mm. so I think if you have those characteristics you'll go you'll go far and you just gotta some people give up quite quickly and easily or just maybe procrastinate Mm. in recruitment you can't procrastinate Mm. other people will take your work and it's a really um relentless job i'd say
0: yeah so resilience empathy yeah personality being authentic building relationships
2: yeah
0: okay like i said to you when we prepared for this for whatever reason i haven't sat down with many healthcare recruitment entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. no idea why so I am I'm I'm like so curious to sort of learn I guess some of the things that you've had to work through sort of the things that you you've done to sort of be successful and, and grow your business. So let's just start with what do you believe it takes to sort of from your experience so far to be successful in the healthcare market, specifically the nicer market. Because like you've just said, from my sort of minimal experience that I've had either working yeah. with recruitment businesses in that space. Recruitment is competitive, but in this, in your sort of world, it seems even more competitive. Like I always remember recruiters saying, oh, I might have a nurse or a mental health nurse that would basically just pick the other recruiter because they can pay me 15p more or something like that. Honestly,
1: they are the most unloyal. Unfortunately, as much as I love my (laughs) nurses, they're so not loyal to anyone. They're, They're loyal to their pocket. So you've got to have something extra. So what is that ensure? extra thing? Cause
0: that, that must That's, be so hard.
1: you got to have personality. Mm. You've got to have character. Mm. You've got to be able to have chat to speak to them and have, you know, normal conversations, call them when it's not, sometimes phone them when it's not even about work, you know, see how they're getting on, mm. you know, they like personable people and obviously people that can empathize with their long shifts, low pay, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I think that helps, mm. but, Again, if Joe Bloggs down the road is paying a pound more, mm. you you might have a problem. Yeah, that's that's <laughs>
0: tough. So why don't we just start here then? So obviously if things yeah really started to kick on because you was out of your covenants, you could get back into the market that you've obviously built relationships in, worked really hard in in 2019. Like what was Hannah's mindset to making HG Group different? Like what what was the initial thoughts on the differentiator? Because if you literally are... Yeah, like it's so like uh, working on price or like in your market, it's so competitive on price. Yeah, What was your initial sort of strategy or thoughts on how Uh, we're going to make it different?
1: Um, I think because I was in the NHS for a number of years, I started out in the NHS when I was quite young. So working as as an account manager, I got good insight to knowing how sort of staff banks, you know, healthcare sector sort of works in the NHS and it's all about cost. And what you can do to obviously try and reduce cost. Compliance is very important as well in, uh, in the NHS as well. So making sure that you have you know, dotted the I's, crossed the T's. They really are a stickler for just cost. So, you know, selling a service. I mean, when I was at my old recruitment company, the main ethos was high volume, low margin, mm. which I really stood by. I really believed in that product because I felt that that was what differentiated us from the other Uh, uh, So just basically, when we were training the consultants or the, you know, making sure that they understood they had to fill a lot of shifts to to make money. And from a sort of healthcare trust NHS perspective, should I say, they want to obviously make savings. Mm. And it's all about selling to them, you know, oh, look, we're high volume, we make our margin from filling a lot of your shifts, not a few of your shifts. So, that always worked for us in terms of just making sure that they understood that we weren't going to make, you know, £50 an hour from one nurse, that we're actually here to fill, you know, as many shifts as possible because we work on a volume sort of based margin. And that's how we, we've we operated in HG as well. So it's more so high volume, low margin.
0: So what I'd love to understand then, because back to your point of the importance of connecting personality, yeah. how do you achieve, like for me, that must, was surely like that must be quite transactional.
1: It is, but listen, it, it, the demographics of nurses in the healthcare sector in, in London is predominantly, they've got, you know, it's quite diverse, mm. but you've got your African demographic, you've got your Filipino community, you've got right. your Portuguese community. So there's different communities. And trust me, for me, starting up in the business... I was going to weddings, I was going to christenings, I was going to church. I'm Muslim. I was going to church with some of the nurses. (laughs) I was Muslim, I was going to church. I was going to church. I was was in the church service with them. You know what I'm saying? So for me, Uh, that's how you become memorable to, mm. to those nurses because you are there with them. You've got nurses bringing pots of jollof rice to the office, that's the sort of personality mm. that you need to have. You need to be able to relate to them, even if you don't necessarily, that's not your walk of life, mm. be prepared to be able to sort of sit down with them, eat with them. I was going to nurses' houses, mm. certain foods, you know, obviously it's not to my sort of taste, but I was eating the food, you know, <laughs> just needing to get build build a rapport, build a rapport. And trust me, it's relentless because mm. there's stuff that you got to do to kind of get yourself out there and make sure that the nurses know that you're there and then, you know, word of mouth. Then, yeah. you know, auntie down the road now knows you. Now she wants to come and work with you and it just ends up being a community of different nurses. But the demographics is important, I think. Going and actually trying to sort of go into their weddings, going to christenings, going to church. Mm. Four hours. Just really commit in, to yeah. trying to connect. Four, yeah. four, I've never known a church service to last four hours, <laughs> honestly. Honestly, Because uh, I guess yeah. I guess
0: the reason for that, from what understanding is basically, if like Hannah, the nurse recruiter is always sort of vulnerable to one of your nurses being called up and saying, hey, so and so, like, I can get you this shift, it's gonna be paying you a pound more, mm. like, you're very vulnerable to them going, yeah, I'm gonna take that. Yeah. However, you're building that, and that's why it's really important because they want to go. Well, you know what? Like Hannah's helped me a lot. Yeah. For, so you need you need to invest in these relationships so much so, for them to go. You know what? So I'm not going to take that shit for it's a pound more. Exactly. It has to be hard though. If you're in, if you're, you're, yes, yeah, high volume. That's that's the thing. That's hard. High volume. That's
1: how you need to like. For me, that's been the most important part of building this business is mm. that I've physically done every job mm. in the business. I haven't shied away from. I don't think that I'm too special to go out and actually go and get. Nurses compliant, for example, mm. like my team will, will will tell you that I'm one of the first to go out and actually sort of do the necessary to get the nurses to buy into us. And most of the time, when they find out I'm the owner, they're like, "What? <laughs> You're the owner?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I want to I want to make them remember me, mm. and remember the company, mm. you know, and just just that going that extra mile. It's going to be difficult as you grow." And I'm finding it a bit difficult now because as we grow, I'm not able... I don't know all the nurses any longer. Mm. My team know them and have those relationships. So it's about instilling that same sort of ethos to the team and mm. making sure that they understand that this is what you need to do.
0: Mm. So let's just talk about then... So obviously we've spoken a bit about yeah how you thinking about being different when starting the HG group in, in the healthcare space. So then I think the other really sort of nuanced part to your world is then the sort of business development and getting jobs, right? Because if you're working with the NHS, then there's this word frameworks, right? So let's just talk about that. And maybe for those that don't know what this is... Right. Could you just explain? So if I'm if I have yeah. a recruitment business and I work yeah. with the NHS, yeah, what is a framework and why is that important from a client like having from an NHS to work, perspective? Yeah, from having jobs to work perspective, yeah. like what what is a framework basically? So, so
1: the framework and if Stephanie or any of the Workforce Alliances listening, hi guys, you know, I'm <laughs> gonna try and do my best to sell you in the right light. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: just you can educate us cause
1: yeah. So the framework is basically a b- sort of body that regulates the agencies to make sure that they are following the NHS sort of employer's standard of recruitment, if that makes sense. So it's predominantly about the compliance of the nurse and making sure that they're actually eligible to go out and work. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through a massive tender process to actually... Be on that framework. on that framework. And you also have to work, provide evidence that you've been able to provide and supply nurses. Obviously, if you haven't worked in the NHS before, you're even not going to be on the framework and you may well get into a few hospitals... But if you really want to look at longevity, you need to be on the framework. You need to be in the frameworks. So that is the most important bit because the first question that most health NHS hospitals sort of ask is basically, are you on the framework? Right. And if you're not, nine times out of ten if you don't have the framework then you won't get the work
0: Because its more hassle for them if you're not on the framework
1: yeah because that kind of gives them the assurance that you're regulated right. as such it's not a regulated body if that makes sense mm. but they have the power to kind of remove you from the framework they mm. do checks every year and audits to make sure that you're following the correct processes by the way we just passed as well Let's so we just passed on Monday we just passed well, our that's audit so that's that that's so I guess big. the reason
0: why we're talking about this is because in your world, Like, fair to say then, you can let me know, but is it fair to say that if you have a recruitment business in the healthcare space and you want to provide staff for the NHS, that... For you to like, yeah, I guess achieve some sort of big success, you're probably likely going to be on, have to be on the framework.
1: Yeah, and when I started the business, I wasn't on the framework. Exactly. So
0: let, let's talk about that because there's a story in here that I definitely want you to share. So I think <laughs> yeah. this is why we, that's why that's important, right? Because you're yeah. starting your own recruitment business, mm. it's in the healthcare. How the hell does Hannah, who's starting this business from her bedroom, yeah. get onto these NHS frameworks? Because obviously you understood that that's pretty essential. Yeah. If we want to scale and, and achieve what What you want to. So, talk us through how the hell did you achieve that? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because, are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals, all from one place, not from multiple tabs in different places. You will get perfect fit opportunities automatically tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode.
1: So we were doing a bit of work in the private sector mm-hmm. and um, just wasn't the sort of work that I was used to in the volume. So I brought in a couple of recruiters. They were starting to get a bit sort of anxious because they weren't seeing the work coming in and I thought, fuck, <laughs> what am I going to do?
0: Because they joined you. Yeah, like they, they joined.
1: I, I, I sold them the dream. I mm. was like, guys, listen, we're going to be so rich. <laughs> We're going to do this, we to go. it. it's going it's going to take off like yeah. I had to sell until my heart was content, and mm. they believed in me and came across. but one of them, and I won't say his name mm. one of them he within a month I spo- he sort of started saying, "Look, you know we're not getting any work. Mm. He was very sort of agitated by the fact that we weren't getting the work and what have you, and I thought, what am I going to do, man?" Mm. So I thought, okay, I need to get on the framework. So I found out that the framework weren't gonna be published for at least another year and I thought, shit, what am I gonna do wait, for wait, a year? So what does year? that mean? So we couldn't tender. Right, okay. yes. We couldn't sort of apply to be on the framework for mm-hmm. another year and I thought, I can't wait a year. Mm. So I started looking at all of the lists of agencies, more so the ones that were dormant, that were awarded onto the framework the last, sort of the last round. So Mm. every four years you can sort of apply to be on the framework and some people go on it, but they don't ever supply. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start going through this list. And I just was going through the list, phoning all these different agencies, seeing if they were still sort of trading Mm. and um I think we had like seven different deals on the table Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to make sure that we got a deal where we didn't have any ties to the agency, anything like, and I found this one agency and the guy was in India Mm. and he was prepared to sell and Mm. I thought, Oh, happy days. So what was he selling
0: to you? The, he, so for you to be able to go like, yeah, just so we understand like high level, what was so he selling to you? To for
1: me to acquire his business. His, and then
0: that would uh, then mean you can go when, and uh, so when a hospital goes, Hannah, are you guys on the framework? You can go, yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah.
1: So basically he was in India at the time. He had this agency The the, the agency was called Honitage Recruitment at the time, mm. but he wasn't doing anything with it, but he was on the framework. So mm. he was just someone that just basically got on the framework, didn't do anything with it. And, just, you know, relentless. As I said, mm. phoning so many uh, different agencies, getting so many no's or deals that were just crazy to find this guy who was in India mm. and who was willing to sell at a reasonable price. Happy days. <laughs> Happy days. It took me four weeks to get that deal. I was going to say, how done. long did
0: it take from like from you, you picking up one of your colleagues, like, look, what's going on here?
1: Yeah. We had one deal where we got as far as the point of actually drafting up the paperwork, and then we realized it didn't have the nursing. Lot, the lot oh. for nursing we were like
0: fuck yeah that would have been savage yeah
1: we, we can't we can't yeah. buy this we can't do anything with it we can't do anything with the the, the staff group that we actually want to mm. sort of build they don't even have it so the deal fell through mm. and then I found this guy and you four know weeks. four weeks I've done that deal and you know what I was in so much fear I was so anxious the entire time because I thought if he just doesn't answer his phone <laughs> this deal's gone mm. but I got it over the line end of June Love that. Um, So that was June
0: 2019? Wow. Okay. So I guess what would be good to talk about now then is your perspective of, so there'll be, like you just said, there's a lot of agencies on these frameworks. Now, just because you're in a framework doesn't mean you're going to be successful and you're going to be able to do a bunch of work and be successful. So I guess why don't we just talk about for a second, like... Now you're on the frameworks, what was the strategy or how can you, like, what was your approach to maximise now being on the framework? Because like like you just said, like, you went through the whole list, some of them are dormant, some of them might not be getting the most out of it. Mm. Just because you're on it doesn't mean that's yeah. guaranteed success.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the people that are on the framework, if you don't have the relationship, so you're not willing to do the groundwork, it mm. means nothing. With what, the hospitals? Yeah, the hospitals. If you don't have the relationships, the hospitals... It's a bit of a saturated market at mm. the end of the day and most of the main contenders in the industry are the ones that are getting the work. So to come in as a new sort of mm. agency and try and get work, it can be difficult because if you don't have those relationships from before, then the buying isn't really there. There's just, You're just another agency that's going to say that you can sell and get loads of people you know, to work and you can fill all their shifts. But the reality is you might have two people on your on your books and that's all you can feel.
2: Mm.
1: So I think the relationship at the beginning with uh, the NHS and my time in the NHS really helped.
0: You really leveraged that. Yeah,
1: definitely. So what
0: would your advice be for someone that like doesn't have that if they're listening to this and they in a healthcare I space? I would tell like...
1: them to go and work in an NHS hospital. <laughs> really? I would tell them to go and try and work in a staff bank if they can. Get knowledge in the staff banks. make Build your relationships because staff banks, I feel like they are literally... The best people. What's the staff banks? Staff bank sort of managers, temp- temporary staff banks are the ones that sort of manage the bank and agency you feel in the NHS hos- hospitals. Right. So if you have good relationships with the different staff banks, you can learn a lot about the NHS, learn about the different services, mm. build those relationships, and then from there go and work in an agency. Mm. That's the way around that I did it. And mm. that was the best way for me, to be honest.
0: That's crazy then. So like... The brands that have been in the games the longest have almost got a bit of a monopoly then
1: they have that's the biggest issue which I sort of <laughs> that's hard it's, it's, it's hard it's hard because they are the people that have been in the industry for 10 15 20 years mm. they're a name that's known mm. and you've got to try and now f- sort of go up against them mm. but I'm prepared to do that <laughs> We really are.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Okay, cool. So no, yeah, great. Yeah, that's it's honestly so interesting. And this is just so unique to the the healthcare industry. Yeah. So why don't we then talk about you as a business owner, some of the, the things that we've had to to learn along the way, right? Because then if you're supporting and paying a bunch of nurses, yeah. then finances and back office become important, right?
1: Oh, massively important. So let's
0: just talk about this. So like what was, because like you've been on a whole journey on this, right? And I think this would be really helpful for people, even for people outside of the healthcare industry that have a sort of big temp contract book and these things. So before you went on the whole journey of getting things in order, what was, like, Hannah's approach to the back office, paying the nurses? Like, do you know what I mean? What was, like, the initial approach to being able to to do that?
1: To be honest, the initial approach was that we we worked with a back office finance company. So you outsourced it? So we outsourced it. And to be fair, they did a good job.
0: Okay. They did a good so job. So from the start you outsourced it?
1: It was from the very start. Okay. And I am glad that we did that at the beginning because that's not my area of expertise Mm. at all. I'm sales, I I go out and win business, but to have been focusing on back office would have been detrimental to the business, to be honest. Mm. So it was good that we outsourced it to start with.
0: And just just so we all understand then, so when you say outsource, what does that actually look like? So they fund it and then they get a percentage or like how how does it typically work?
1: No, they basically manage all your back office processes. They manage your payroll, they manage your accounts. Mm. They do all of the necessary. Pay your staff, even your own sort of like uh, employees in the business. They pay them. They do everything. Mm-hmm. VAT tax. And then
0: how do they get paid then? Is it? A- we
1: pay them a retainer every month. Okay, retainer. And the retainer would kind of increase based on how many timesheets they're processing for the businesses. Right. So it. it's different brackets. So the, yeah, the
0: more, more yeah, the, the more, more timesheets people. that
1: you uh, that they process, the more they make. Basically. Okay, cool.
0: That makes sense. So, how long did you outsource it for?
1: Well, that entire time. We've only just recently brought in our payroll in house in January.
0: Okay. Oh, January this year? Yeah. Okay. So, talk to me about. Okay, maybe I'm not sure if I've completely understood this. You can help me. But so, if it was outsourced, Yeah. how did you then get to the point where you had, like you said, a million pounds worth of debt or oh a, my God, a, a owed money? Mate. How did that happen then?
1: <sighs> ah, <Shame>, man. I've <laughs> been through it. Last like, year. I thought.
0: I thought you started there maybe and then you went to try to do it more internal and then yeah. that's where maybe things weren't so, picked up yeah
1: so that's exactly what happened so last year yeah before um so at the start of the year i brought some people into the business and start of
0: this year or last start,
1: year? start of 2022
0: okay last, so year. last year yeah
1: and i wanted to sort of bring the back office functionality in-house to store power source and that yeah so we brought in a group financial controller yep and his job was to work with the ops person that we brought in to bring it in in-house mm-hmm. but I don't think that unfortunately the the knowledge wasn't there.
0: And just so we understand, so would that also mean obviously to have the create the systems processes to manage it all? Mm-hmm. but who wh- was you still going to outsource the funding or was HE Group going to fund it as well? Like fund the nurses and the pet so the pet. so
1: we have most agencies have an invoice discounting facility. Okay, so they would sort of give you ninety percent or eighty five percent of the invoice value, mm-hmm. and they'll give it to you in advance. Right. So you're able to then pay the nurses, but okay. that's something you have to obviously build as well. So mm. that back office company that we used initially. Mm. They helped massively yeah. and um the start of 2022, I bought these these people in and yeah. I wanted more visibility of the business because I was really struggling on the back office side. And What were you
0: struggling with specifically? Just, I'm
1: not finance. I didn't have that knowledge.
0: So just overall getting your head around it, getting feeling my head like you are on top it. of it all. Or-
1: yeah, I just was very confused by it all. Definitely an area that I was shying away from because mm. I just didn't know it. And I wanted to, in 2022, I was just like, I need to learn. Mm. I need to understand what this all means for the business. I need to understand what the accounts means. I need to understand what the profit and profit and loss means, all of that. Um, Initially, when I started, I was just like a sort of just driving the sales, Mm. driving sales, driving sales, just, you know, get the framework in place, try and get uh, our, our name out there. Back office, I had a company that was managing it, so it was manageable at the time. As we grew, the visibility I needed wasn't there mm. and I decided to bring people in. But unfortunately, the combined knowledge wasn't there mm. and we made some real mistakes last year, huge mistakes. So we brought in our back office or we brought part of it back in, mm. in-house in and the reason why we got so much debt is because we brought it in and we didn't have an understanding of exactly what needed to be done in Mm. the background and, uh, you know, unfortunately lessons had to be learned from the situation. We had to take it back to the back office company. Mm. I mean, an implementation of back office takes at least six months and we thought we could do it in a month. (laughs) It's just honestly diabolical for me Mm. to think that we can bring in a whole back office functionality in four weeks. It's not, no, Mm. (laughs) it didn't work. Mm. So we went back to the back office company and thankfully they sort of took us back. But obviously, in the time that they weren't looking after the sort of credit control functionality, the debt spiraled. No one mm. was chasing the debt, and in the yeah, NHS, in the NHS, if you're not if you're not on top of your credit control, they'll leave your invoices until you sort of come knocking at their door. Really, there's no real like rush to get it paid if you if you haven't followed the right process. Mm. So by July, I was quite heavily pregnant and. Um, I found out we had about a million pounds worth of aged debt, which was just
0: so like how. Just talk us through that. Oh, like how how did that feel? Oh, Sorry to take you back there. I but can't
1: even begin to tell you. Like that must have been like that was a massive massive reality check for me. I thought oh, I'm having a baby. Mm. You know, I've got I've got my team in place. You know, I can kind of take a ba- bit more of a back seat. No, <laughs> it came and it came at me fast. It humbled me mm. massively. And it forced me to have to learn, mm. and I also found out about the dynamics in my business, areas where people that were really loyal to the business were unhappy. A lot came out from me coming back in properly, and I'm now, in hindsight, I'm glad it happened. But at the time,
0: it was like, what is going on?
1: I was. There was a point where we didn't even have money to pay the workers wow. one week, and that was horrible. Mm. That was really hard to come back from. But you had to manage that
0: whilst like you was literally what when when was your son due?
1: My my son was due November fourteenth.
0: Wow, and you like this? You had this moment in July, did you say?
1: So July, August, September—worst months ever. Really? Worst months. Why didn't you quit
0: then? What? What?
1: No, (laughs) no way. (laughs) That that's giving up. It's not in my nature to do that. Mm. I. As much as I I cried so Mm. much, I and then I thought, you know what? My son, you know, I did it for my son as well. I was just like, my son deserves me to push. Mm. And the team that actually have stood by me, you know, deserves me to come back in and and do right by them as well. So I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. And you know what? The first thing that I did when I came back was sit in finance. And that was a hat I didn't want to wear for a long time. (laughs) I started unravelling so much and I just, it was just coming at me and fast. And I thought, oh my God, mm. but I learned, I learned about the invoice discounting. I mm. learned about the payroll side of things. I learned about the, the system that we use that, why it's not good for the business. I learned about uh, the P and learned so the forecasting. I learned about the VAT returns. I learned about, you know, our salaries and how we do our salaries. I learned so much. And I also sat, remember I said I was a debt mm. collector. Mm. I was collecting the debt. I was very very Yeah, very you, sharp. you recouped. I I recouped. We we've got all our money back. Mm. We've managed to it was never lost money.
0: No, it's owed money.
1: Owed money. So some of it could have been that the, the shifts went on the system, some of it could have been timesheets went Yeah, It is lack of process
0: as you said which yeah. led to a build up of owed money, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I can't fault the team that was there with me. So
0: how long was that whole process, would you say, from like getting your finally getting your financial hat on, committing to the things that you weren't comfortable with, had to learn to then going on that whole journey of recouping that I'd that say money?
1: we've we've only just recovered from mm. it. So
0: I mean it's not too long ago, is it really? No,
1: we've I think by the time I um was having the baby mm. I had brought in a new group finance manager and he was phenomenal. I sat with him and I worked I worked with him the entire time, but the difference this time round was I knew what I was talking about. Mm. I could ask the relevant questions. So was that the biggest lesson? Massive lesson. Like
0: just basically, instead of like at least trying to get a good level of education on it or understanding. Mm. You sort of just put, buried your hand in the sand and just, I guess I'm assuming just like stuck to what you're comfortable with. If I'm getting more deals, if we're doing more deals than we are spending money, then surely like we're fine. Yeah. And then you you really committed to understanding and learning and then that enabled you to, yeah, actually uncover what it is that you needed but also hire the right people. Yeah,
1: hire the right people, know what it was that I was hiring. I wrote the JDs. I knew what Mm. I needed in the business. So I went from... Not having, you know, any understanding to writing the JDs for what I wanted and shout out Amir as well, because Amir, he's my group finance manager and Reese, both of them, they've done phenomenal Mm. in the business in terms of turning around payroll and putting the processes in and he has been an amazing hire. So I can't, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a journey, but one worth one worth talking about
0: and then is there anything else on that then before we move on in terms of the what you would do differently like if you were to start that bringing part of the finance in-house again we've sort of learned that yeah if you're going to do that then it's a good idea to actually have some sort of understanding even though maybe it isn't your strongest suit like you are uncomfortable trying to understand finance and these types of things like is there anything else that you would do differently this podcast is proudly sponsored by Vincherry. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of the Recruitment Operating System. Disjointed tech systems are painful for growing recruitment companies. Too much admin, bad data and no visibility. It's holding back recruitment organisations. Meet Vinceri. Vincery is the creator of the Recruitment Operating System, a modern operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. This natively integrated tech platform syncs data and workflows across recruitment agencies front, middle, and back offices. Start off with a suite of modules, a core CRM, ATS, advanced reporting and analytics, video interviewing, and more. That's just their core product. Vincheri also works with a pre-integrated access products to expand your tech capabilities, link up your recruitment websites powered by Volcanic or cover screening and pay and bill with the fast track integration. It's time to unite front, middle and back offices on a single recruitment technology platform. Unleash growth without gravity. Let's go. Find out more on vinceri.io and because you listen to this podcast, You get a discount, check it out, enjoy the rest of the episode. Take your time. Okay.
1: Yeah, plan. Plan, make sure you have the right people around you in terms of what you're planning on doing and making sure it makes sense. So just Mm. um, sense checking your actual plan is important because had I sat down and actually thought about the full process... At the beginning of 2022, and what was needed to be done, mm. I'd have quickly realised it's never going to be four weeks that you can turn this around in. Like, why would I be giving that advice and think that that's 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 the right advice? It's not. Mm. But again, it's around the people you hire as well. I can't can't say that enough. Mm. If you've got the wrong people around you, and you don't yourself know that area, and you're led by that, you're going to fail.
0: Mm. So where, where does this, like, not giving up come from then, Anna? Because oh, you could have easily given up in those yeah.
1: periods. Do you know what? It's the responsibility of, you know, my, my team. Mm. And if it falls now, what was it, in, it done in vain? You know, like, what was the point of doing all of this? And now I'm giving up. Mm. So I think that strength comes just from not wanting to go backwards mm. and knowing that the journey comes with many, you know, b- memorable, bad times as well it's not going to all be good it's not being an md is not a luxury i always say this to people and they always say to me oh you know you i want to be in your job and i'm like trust me you don't want to do it if you do want to do it great but make sure you have the 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 resilience for the bad times as well because it's not going to all be you know yeah big watches cars Mm -hmm. you know big houses there's going to come a lot of bad times as well. And you got to be ready for those bad times because when they come, you know, they come at you fast. And that's something that I haven't been able to process as much before in the past. I was like, I'm an MD, you know, I'm, you know, I'm mm. doing well. No, uh, you know, now the reality has kicked in. I think I've matured a lot more as well, sort mm. of putting this business together. And each year I'm learning something new. Mm. So I think The role, you're the first, you know, the first one paying out, last one to eat. You know, that's just how it goes. I mean, I don't know about all MDs, but for me, Mm. it's so important that, you know, my team are okay. It's not just about me any longer. Mm. You know, I've got my team who's got families, their livelihoods. It's Mm. all dependent on the decisions that I I make. So if I make a bad decision and we no longer are in business, then yeah, you can go and get another job, but there's going to be a period where some people might not be able to get work or, you know, it's just a lot of people depending on me and I just feel like I feel very responsible for that. I feel like that's what's driving me. That's what
0: drives you, yeah. So then now then, what does Hannah do when like shit hits the fan then? What, What like how do you deal with those dark days? You
1: know what? One thing my um, partner will say is that, and and forgive me to all my clients that are not, you know, hearing me swear, but my favourite saying is, (laughs) fuck (laughs) sakes! I say it, all the time and yeah. my partner just laughs really? and he's always like, Fuck sakes <laughs> And I, whenever something happens, there's a period of mourning for me mm. and twenty four hours normally. Okay, I give so myself a day, a day just, to, okay. just get it out of your system. Mm. Get it out of your system. We go, we move, we got a. you know, we've got an issue, we gotta fix it. I'm mm. just like, how do I fix it? Mm. What's the solution? So I give myself a day and then I look at how I'm gonna fix it and mm. what I'm gonna do to try and obviously make this a better situation or scenario. And if it's something that's going to take a little bit longer, because I'm trying to, sometimes I think I try and fix things too quickly. Mm. Sometimes you just got to take your time. Yeah, just let it, let it marinate. Let it marinate, think about it. it. Yeah. Yeah, cry a bit more if you need to, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Just just get it out of your system and then go back to it with a with a level-headed mindset, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? So, Love that. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's just talk about then as the sort of, Yeah, I guess sort of final part of this then. Let's talk about Hannah also part of this juggling motherhood.
1: I know that's something
0: that you wanted to talk about and is important. So I think, so basically I've got this post up here that you shared. Yeah. So you welcomed Kaya Mir
1: that's my baby boy
0: your baby boy so yeah. when was he born
1: he was born on the 28th of october
0: 28th of october that's yeah. my partner's birthday oh uh,
1: yeah you see <laughs> great, great people are born on that day
0: yeah there we go so like mm. talk talk me through i mean look looking at this post here yeah. uh, wasn't the most straightforward i don't know if after birth or during birth i'm not yeah. sure but obviously he was in the it he was with the itu team.
1: yeah yeah he was in itu unfortunately i didn't have the best of experiences hmm. he had congenital men- uh, pneumonia sorry congenital oh, wow. m- pneumonia so he had fluid in his lungs
2: hmm.
1: so um and i had to have a c section so i was a bit paranoid because i was working a lot of hours and you know as i got bigger i f- didn't feel him move as much wow. so um the hospital decided to induce me early so he was met, he was due on the 14th of November but they were like no we need to induce you and my blood pressure kept going up as well so bit of a traumatic experience for me to be honest cuz um obviously not not planning for a C section I was like I'm going to do this naturally yeah. you know I want to push and all the rest of it but it's not down to you it's down to your body and what your body's capable of doing and you know it's, it's not something that I I was really upset about it and he was in you know IT for a week and that week for me was hell Mm. I really, I was in a really dark place, you know, um, and just, you know, there was a lot going on in the business. There was a lot of, I suppose, as I said before, sometimes when you're vulnerable, people sometimes hone in on those vulnerabilities and perhaps the structure that I had at the time didn't help. So, you know, the team, some of the team that I had, you know, there was people leaving in the business. It just all came at once. Mm. But yeah he thankfully made full recovery so he's all healthy he's he, if you see my little boy he's the he's the happiest little boy you know he on my down days he's literally mm. the person that get, gets me to sort of remember why i'm doing it you know
0: and then how how would you describe like yeah now sort of one of the other hats you now wear is, is mum is yeah being a mum.
1: that's been a hard transition that's been a hard, hard transition. Like I, I urge any sort of entrepreneur, sort of mum, f- female that's sort of doing a business and motherhood. Postnatal depression is really a thing. I'm going through that myself currently. So, um, so for people
0: that may not know what that is, I'll speak to my partner about this in preparation yeah. for this. So like. In your own words from what you've I guess learned about it so far and then we can talk about how you feel like it has sort of showed up in your life but like for those that may not have heard that word before I don't know like what how would you describe postnatal depression?
1: Just a dark a dark place dark space you your moods are up and down sometimes it, it might mean that you don't connect with your child mine thankfully hasn't been that it's just been about the trauma that he sort of we experienced as you know because i had a c section mm. the fear of um and anxiety that i have it's, it's it's always there like oh my god is he okay can he is he breathing okay you know mm. some some nights i were not even able to sleep because i'll just be watching him breathe just to make sure okay. he's breathing okay and then i'm just consumed with my thoughts like you know with the, with the business as well i then have to sort of go into to work mode in the morning and you know people don't know you've got to put on this front because if they see that you're not you know you're struggling they might not believe in the business any longer or might think oh she's not got it anymore or mm. you know so there was all these all these thoughts in my head like oh my god like how am i going to do this you know people are leaving the business mm. you know it all come at once and it got me very down it really impacted on my relationship with my partner mm. It impacted on my own mental health cuz my anxiety was was all over the place i got to a point where i was having panic attacks you know, in the office, it's a real thing. Like, it's got a lot better. I Even, you know, in December, just very recently, I have recently been discharged from the perinatal team because I I went through that so much what does trauma. That mean? Sorry. It's like a, a team that sort of just it's like a perinatal team, and so what they're
0: there to support people yeah, that might mums, be going through mums, the sort of things that you were going through. Yeah, new
1: mums. I was. I felt in despair.
0: Really, I
1: felt like my whole life was it just changed overnight mm. and I didn't know how to sort of, cause I'm, I'm someone that's so structured. Or did I'm you feel out of control? Out of control. And one thing with me is that I have to know what I'm doing. I need to have that, that mindset of, okay, tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do, etc. Mm. And it went out the window and I went out the window with it. If I'm, you know, mm. it was just not a good time.
2: Yeah.
0: Cause I was speaking to my partner about this saying like, I was sitting down with you and this is something you wanted to talk about. So yeah, Obviously, yeah, I, I obviously I can listen and try and understand, but I'm never going to fully understand. So I sort of was asking her, like, what what would you be interested in sort of learning if someone's been on that journey? So I think one, one of the questions that she said, which I think is quite interesting one to ask at this point was obviously all those things that you've been going through, like, would you say that you'd suffered with your mental health before? I Primere.
1: think I've always been quite an anxious person. Okay. I've always... And what
0: does that mean to you? Because we, we hear that word a lot, that means. So when you say you've always been a quite anxious person, how yeah. how has that showed very, up in your so, life?
1: So very self-critical, okay. very much like, am I doing enough? Am I mm. doing well? Uh, I think it stems from, you know, people's childhood. For me, it was probably my childhood, you know, just seeing my mum struggle, mm. you know, working two jobs, not coming from an affluent sort of background and just always saying to myself, like... I don't want to do, I don't want to struggle like that. I want to really work hard. And, you know, my mum worked really hard and she mm. did an amazing job with us, but I just don't want to go through those struggles.
0: So, was it, this is really interesting, and you can let me know if this resonates or not, but do, it just reminds me of a conversation I had with someone recently who also shared this. Is that like a bit of a sense of like a fear of like losing it all?
1: Yeah, that's what gets you up every single morning.
0: Because you've seen like the hardship and not yeah. having whatever it yeah. is. So, like, it, yeah
1: yeah and you know what it's not even about the material goods it's mm. just about the freedom to mm. be able to do what you want and if you don't have the funds or the you know the you're not you, you, you don't have the right level of capacity to be able to do it you know it's, it, it makes you scared mm. it makes me scared like every day i'm like shit like today i could you know anything can happen mm. so that fear drives me every single day mm. So it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because if you let it consume you, it can completely mess with your mental health
2: mm.
1: and you, you need to have a balance. There's certain things that you're just never going to be able to control and I think I'm quite meticulous with how I like to do stuff and I'd say maybe, mm, you know, o- it's borderline OCD. No, I like structure. I like to have, you know, day to day. I need to know what I'm doing, okay. you know, how I'm doing it. You know, my my partner's the opposite. So uh, ironically enough, he's the opposite. He's so laid back. He's so chilled. And then you've got me who's just like... <laughs> The drill sergeant.
0: <laughs> so what what have you then I mean, and look, this is an ongoing journey, right? Yeah. So like I guess what yeah. do you feel like you've got better at then I mean, you might be talking about there, but yeah. obviously going from that dark place and things feeling really difficult. Yeah. What sort of things have you implemented? What habits? I yeah, don't know, is it anything the that therapy, you found? Therapy.
1: Okay. So I've started therapy, I started therapy in December. Mm. Um so obviously I had the perinatal team, so I was having some counselling about my son and the trauma around that. And then I think I paid my, for myself to just go and see someone privately and mm. just sort of delve into my past a bit more and ask why I am Why am I the way I am mm. like you know what is it Big that question. just you know yeah what makes what makes Hannah meet like mm. Hannah and I, I think I found a few of the reasons why I'm like this and why Does that I, help? yeah it's really helped because now it's just like I'm letting go I'm letting mm. go and I think this year the main thing with me is a lot of the time leading with your emotions can be difficult as well because well you found um, you quite, did that a lot one million percent. Like I would always try and sort of, I, I'd have always trying to empathize with others, but maybe sometimes too much, which could lead to the wrong decisions being made, or even people taking advantage at times as well. So mm. letting things go. You know, even in business, you know, if something happens, I'm a lot more chilled about it now. Mm. Before what how you know like i'm like this can't happen you know but i'm just taking it day by day but in general i'm learning to let things go
0: no it's amazing thank you for sharing that and how have you found like again this is a journey but how have you found juggling motherhood being a good partner being an md how have you found that over the last yeah couple of months
1: hard (laughs) struggle Mm. yeah just it's been really hard Because I haven't really taken any mat leave, to be honest. I've worked throughout and that's just because the business wasn't in a good place when I was going to have the baby and then obviously after I had my son, I had a couple of weeks where I was home. But to be honest, I was back in the office from December and Mm -hmm. I was carting my little man with me. He was coming to the business with me. So um, because it was not in a good place and I felt I had to make sure that you know did the necessary to to get it out of that dark place as well i'm battling i've got you know i've got issues with the business yeah. i've got my son who i'm now not even able to sleep because i'm so anxious yeah. about him i'm trying to be a you know a partner and you know keep that alive yeah. it's bloody hard yeah it's look
0: hard. look this is the, the back to your point right this is the reality of owning your own company
1: it's not a luxury. It, the man. ultimate
0: response you have is the ultimate responsibility.
1: Yeah, and sometimes we, a lot of the time, most MDs. I don't know about the others, but some of the ones I've met, they're always fixers.
2: fixers. I, yeah,
1: fixers. That's the role that they play. They're fixers. They fix things. They make sure that they lead from the front. But if mm. there's a problem, they're the first to obviously deal with it. And mm. that is such a huge responsibility. And if you see them driving a nice car, they earn it. Mm. If you see them in a big house. They earn it. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me now, I see these things and I think, yeah, it's nice. But actually, the role is not a luxury. Some days I'm like, when some of my team are leaving at 5:30, I'm like, fuck, man, I wish I was going too. <laughs> I wish I, I was going home. I love those 5:30 finishes. 5:30, and you know, you. I want to go home. I want to shut. I just want to go and just watch a film with my with, with my partner and just chill out. Don't work like that for me. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like that for us. You're always on the go. You're always having to think ahead. So some people might be looking, you know, for today. I'm Mm. looking, I'm already in June. Mm. I'm already planning for what's going to happen in June in order to be ahead. So Mm. it takes its toll.
0: No, honestly, thank you so much for being honest. I know that will, yeah, that will be really helpful for people. Um, yeah, to hear yeah, like man. just you talking about it, honestly the journey the the trials and tribulations yeah. just to sort of wrap that sort of part up then and then let's just talk about yeah what you're excited about this year uh before we finish so yeah what would you say then for people listening out there that do want a family that do want to sort of keep hold of their career aspirations whilst becoming a mum i don't know is there anything that yeah you'd share with future mums maybe people that are already sort of pregnant yeah. and they're due to be mums very soon Obviously, yeah, I can only imagine how daunting that must be. So, like, I don't know if there's anything that you want to share with those people that, yeah, obviously they've seen you come out the other side and it's still an ongoing journey. But is there anything that you can maybe share for people that could be helpful?
1: Yeah, I would say that your career is always going to be there. Mm. So, for a long time, I mean, I had my son at 36 Mm. and I didn't really... Think about having children. I I was waiting for the right time. There's mm. never a right time. Mm. Just do it. If you're gonna, if you really want to have a child and just do it, I'd say my advice is that your career will always be there. And if you are an ambitious, driven person, your career, you'll juggle it. You'll somehow juggle it, and then you'll ask yourself in a few years after you've done it, God, how did I do that? Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's important. Family is important for me, so mm. important. And I really. Want to make sure that I don't, because you know, at the end of the end of the day, when you're going home, you want to go home to your family. Mm. You want to go home to the things that make you happy in life. And it's nice having a business and stuff, but if that's all you're you're working for, the hours, the days, the nights, it, it, it will pass. And before you know it, you're fifty. And you haven't done certain things to kind of like make sure that you've sort of embedded your family and 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 things that you think were worthwhile, and you're full resentful. Mm. You're full resentful. So I'm so grateful for my son. I think he gives me a different sort of um, aspect in life. I think he's made me more chilled. <laughs> <laughs> he's given me a degree of patience that I didn't think I had. I think I've always mothered a few people in the business anyway so just it's an extension of that so um, I really welcome him in my life I'm you know he's the heir really mm. he's the person who I, hopefully he'll be a footballer yeah uh, yeah Arsenal hopefully he'll be the next yeah. Saka I hope I, I hope he's the next Saka yeah I, I, I'm rooting for him man I'm rooting for him I, I massage his legs every day every day I'm massaging his little legs saying listen these legs are going to be making me some serious money yeah <laughs> So, oh, um, no, honestly, like, I, I think motherhood is difficult. Like, I've, I've been f- openly speaking about the whole postnatal depression thing as well, because people see me as this really strong individual, alpha mm. female, which I, I guess I am. Mm. But, you know, be kind to us too, man, because we that. also have times where we're not in, in good, good space. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So... What are we saying for end of 2023 then? Obviously, like, worked your absolute socks off. You've got um, the finance team in place. You've got the compliance team.
1: I've got my new head of operations. Shout out, Ray, we saying? Where where are we
0: going to end 2023 then?
1: Oh, mate. HG group. HG group is going to be, we're, we're going to be hitting some serious milestones. Nursing is going to just be even bigger than it is now. We're going to do um, home care. We are just going to just try and tap into all of the areas that we've, we've sort of committed to at the start of this year. And we're going to grow the management team. We're going to give more people opportunities. We're going to invest in individuals who want to basically branch out on their own as well. So it's a positive times, man, because I feel like there's so many, uh, there's enough uh, room for everyone to sort of be on, you know, on a certain journey and make money and do well. And also if they want to be owners of businesses, why not? Like, yeah. Why can't we sort of, you Facilitate know, advocate that? that? that yeah. yeah, let's do it.
0: I love that. Hannah, look, absolute pleasure utmost respect
1: thank you for having me honestly thanks for being nothing
0: short of honest authentic I think uh, a lot of people can learn a lot from your journey I think you inspire a lot of people and yeah like really really respect sort of just you being honest and and being real I think it's it's really important so keep being you
1: thank you very much Hisham for having me honestly I really appreciate you bringing me here
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're an online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit